Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody. Hope you all are doing well. Uh, It's hard to get used to speaking to a camera and not to people. Um, Not that the guys back here aren't people, but they're covered by cameras and screens. Uh, just, we miss you guys. A couple of announcements. We want to continue to lift uh, Gil's sister-in-law, Helen, up in prayer. She is still in the hospital. Um, they're hoping to release her soon. She's doing better. Um, but c- please continue to pray for the Escalera family. Again, they lost two members of the family uh, this past week and a half. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember, my mind is blanking out, but I know that there are other people who have texted me about issues and things going on. Please forgive me if I don't recall all of those things right now, but I know a lot of people are dealing uh, with family members who are ill um, at this time. My brother uh, went to the hospital yesterday for pneumonia. Uh, fortunately, it was not uh, COVID-related, and he is home now, so we're thankful for that. We want to continue to pray for those people who are at risk, and that is, again, why we are not meeting. Uh, I do want to ask, though, uh, if or what would it take for us to, uh, for you to feel safe for us to gather again? Um, if you want to email us at info at com, you can, or would you be open to meeting in a small group, like a men's small group? And if so, uh, would you rather do it on Zoom or in person uh, in a room with masks on? Uh, We are trying to kind of feel our way forward and what things uh, will be transpiring, trying to be a little bit ahead of the curve uh, and, and to make opportunity again for us to gather. I know some of you are very um, disappointed that we're not together. Some of you are wanting very much to be together. I saw Grandpa Bob yesterday at Judah's uh, birthday party, and I know he wants to get together, but he doesn't want to get together here by himself. You know Grandpa Bob, he wants to be here with people so he can talk with you. Um, And so what would it take for you to feel safe coming here is one of the questions, and would you be interested and meeting in a small group together or on Zoom. Uh, If you can, let us know. If you have my number, you can text me and send me a message directly, or you can, again, message us at info at thegenesisstory.com. Again, remember, uh, 
We are here because of your giving, and so we have the different methods of the giving. We have, uh, of course, our email, our mailing address. Which some people do mail uh, checks still here at 1043 West Foothill Boulevard in Upland. We have our uh, Zelle, and you got the information there at info at thegenesisstory.com or same with Venmo at genesis-community or again here at the address. So all these things you can give or go to our website. All these things are you can find there. Uh, got, yes? Um, tax receipts will be going out soon. Okay. And it's, they're all being mailed. Okay. And so if anybody doesn't have the, if they could just email us their most current address. Okay. If you didn't hear that, Gil just said that tax receipts are going out soon. Um, if we don't have your most current email or current address, email it to us, and we will mail those out to you. And of course, if there's problems, you can email us at info at thegenesisstory.com, and we will respond to you back. Can't believe it's a new year, and we're having to think about that, but that's what's happening. Okay, let's get into this. Today, we are going to continue part three of our Grace and Truth series. This one is called Honestly. As we go through this, I, I want to be asking questions of ourselves uh, and how we see this applying to our lives. Remember, we're not just having this uh, theological discussion about what grace and truth are. We are defining it some, but the whole point of this is we're, we're trying to live as Christ did, which is in this call-in culture of grace and truth. And so to do that, we have to challenge ourselves. And that's what I hope we continually do through this series. And so turn with me to Luke chapter 5. We're going to look at two different stories of Jesus' interaction with Peter. Luke 5, starting at verse 1, it says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Now, here's a story where I think it's easy to see 
this call-in that Jesus has with Peter, because literally he's calling him, basically, and he chooses to follow him. But I want to, again, ask you a few questions. And the first question is, what does grace and truth give access to that you couldn't name otherwise? What does grace and truth give access to in this story that wouldn't have given access otherwise? And remember our reviewed definitions of grace. Grace is not just a forgiving or pardoning of sins. It's a participation of life. And truth is not just a giving of facts, but it is actually reality seen through the eyes of God. What does this do to thus our seeing grace and truth work in this story? We see grace and truth give Peter access, literally, to Jesus as he goes and he follows him. But how does Jesus connect with and empower people? How does he connect with and empower Peter here? What about Jesus' posture catches your attention? And what does Jesus do well that maybe God wants to teach us? Jesus is a little pushy in this story, don't you think? He he gets in his boat and he says, hey, push out, and then he begins teaching. So I imagine Peter is a captive audience sitting there having to listen because he's in the boat with Jesus as he's teaching. And then Jesus tells him again, hey, push out further and, and let's go fishing again, even after they have stopped fishing, washed their nets, He tells them to go on. And even more so, Jesus, after Peter has this revelation and he says, depart from me, Jesus says, from now on, this is what you're going to do. You're going to fish men. It seems as if Jesus is pushing on Peter, literally in so many ways, And the question is, why? Where is he pushing him, and why is he pushing him? About a month ago, I did training uh, in Ontario, and they had two dogs, Brody and Sydney. And Sydney was a, a shepherd mix, probably about five years old, and they had rescued Sydney. Sydney was a beautiful dog, but Sydney had issues. That's why I'm a dog trainer, because dogs have issues, and that's why people hire me. Sydney's issues were pretty intense, though. Sydney was terrified. When they rescued Sydney, they had a leash put on her and brought her into their house, and she would only stay in one room and the backyard. Now, she wasn't aggressive. She didn't try to bite them. She was just terrified. They would try to call her out into the living room, would not go. They would try and call her into any of the other rooms, would not go. Sydney's life consisted for a full year of this one room and the backyard. That's all that Sydney knew. 
They wanted to take Sydney out for a walk, but Sydney would not go. She was petrified, and so she would just put the brakes on, and she would snowplow, and they could not pull her. The, the wife was saying, man, I've struggled trying to get Sydney out, but I just can't do it. She's not working, and so they call me the dog trainer to come and help with this situation. When you're dealing with a situation of fear that's this intense, you can't get past it by trying to talk your dog out of it. It's just not how dogs communicate. The dog is suffering from trauma, and the way we communicate with people and the way we communicate with dogs is different, and and most people try and soothe the dog out of that, and so they'll go and say, it's okay, and they'll start petting, but I always tell people, you get what you pet, okay? That's free dog training advice for all of you, right? If I've got an anxious, fearful dog and I pet an anxious, fearful dog, I am reinforcing anxiety and fear in that dog, And, and so that's not going to help Sydney get past the trauma. And so what I had to do is literally get Sydney to follow me out. And we went into the front yard because I wanted to have an open space. But I had to use force. And it was very traumatic for Sydney. I mean, Sydney was doing alligator rolls. Sydney was putting on the brakes hard. Sydney was losing control of her bodily functions. It was a mess. It was ugly. And Sydney was biting on the leash. And it looked horrific. And I'm having to tell these people, trust me. Please trust me. I do. I'm a professional, right? I, I do this for a living. I want you to understand what I'm trying to do is get Sydney out of the trauma, not by adding more trauma, but by changing the trauma. She's afraid of these things. I need to get her focus on me so that I can now help rehabilitate her. She's afraid of everything, but if I can get her to be afraid just of me for a moment, I can also get her to trust me and then start to give in. And so I'm not just dragging the dog. I'm pulling loose, pulling loose, pulling loose. And she's biting, rolling, spinning out, and I'm pulling loose. And I'm working out here, right? I'm just doing this. I'm doing this and doing. And finally, Sydney takes a few steps. And every time Sydney gives a little bit of movement towards me, the leash is loose, the pressure stops. I mark it with good because I want to reward this behavior. And pretty soon, Sydney is following me and I'm pulling less and less. And pretty soon, I'm walking with Sydney out in the front yard. And Sydney's still afraid of just about everything, but she's no longer afraid of me. And she's no longer afraid to walk with me out here in the front. And the wife is crying because her dog's walking, right? And she's just overwhelmed with, you know, this has finally happened. A whole year we tried to get her out and she can't do it. And I was able to do it in this short, pretty short period of time relatively. But you see, to get to where Sydney needed to be, I had to see things clearly as they were. I, I know that the front yard is not a dangerous place when she's under my control. I've got a leash on. I'm going to keep 
skateboarders from running over her. I'm going to uh, keep you know, trash trucks you know, at a distance, all the things that would make her want to flee. I'm watching out for her. And until Sydney could trust me that I could see things better, Sydney was locked into this mindset. And maybe your narrative is like Peter, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And you're stuck in a place where you don't see yourself useful, maybe. You don't see yourself as being of value. But the reality is different than the reality that you're seeing. And I think it's so amazing that Scripture tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom because I see this analogy where once Sydney was really afraid of me and then trusted me that she wasn't afraid of anything else. And once we fear the Lord and trust the Lord, our fears of everything else start to subside. And when we start hearing the truth that God says about us, instead of believing the lies that we're telling ourselves, we're actually able to then do the things that God wants us to do. Jesus helped Peter to see this, not by taking him through a word study of the Greek. This is what the word means, Peter. But by an invitation to walk. And he was a little pushy. Because sometimes to move into this place, we have to be a little pushy. There's a fine line between forcing and pushing someone towards, right? Because Jesus definitely was pushing Peter towards what he saw Peter as a fisher of men. And I think that is something that God is having to do with us. And again, how does Jesus connect with and empower people? He's pushing him to see himself as a fisher of men and not just a fisherman. What about Jesus' posture catches your attention? In mine, it was the pushiness. It was how he kept kind of pushing into Peter's life. And what does Jesus do well that God wants to teach me? (laughs) Everything. First off, to be pushy, people have to trust and care. See, if I was only concerned with pulling this dog out of the backyard and not reading Sydney's movements, I would still be pulling. I had to be concerned with her response to know how to move her forward. And the same thing is true with people. I I can't be just pushy, but I have to encourage, see more of, Encourage people to be more and give them space to make the choice, even as Peter did. There's another story with Peter that I think is a little more difficult to see this grace and truth matrix at work. And it's in Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 13. Now, 
When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven." Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now, this story has these two contrasting dialogues with Peter. It's a little bipolar, right? I mean, on one point, Peter's getting revelations from God himself. And on the next point, get behind me, Satan. It's like, what is it? Is he hearing from God? Is he hearing from Satan? Who is he and what's taking place here, right? Remember the questions. How does Jesus connect with and empower people? How does he do that here? What about Jesus' posture catches your attention? And what are we gonna learn from this? Now, the first part of this story Jesus is honoring and entrusting Peter with a lot. All right, he's telling him he's going to have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What he binds on earth is going to be bound in heaven. What he looses is going to be loose. There's a theological term for this. It's a crap load of authority, right? Just joking. That's not a theological ther- term, but it really is. He's just giving him this incredible authority, and he's doing it in front of the other disciples. I mean, he is lavishly honoring Peter with these words, powerfully. And when you entrust, confer, empower, and bless on such a lavish manner, it creates a bond that can now bear more pressure. When you're able to communicate to someone how committed you are to them, I see you as being a person who can be entrusted with the king's keys to the kingdom of heaven. You are now showing them how awesome you think they are, And when you call them on something, you can also call them much more directly. We we see this in athletics 
you have a good coach, and the coach sees the potential of a player, and it pushes them to that potential. Man, you've got an arm. You need to be doing this. And they get them, you know, the, the right kind of training so that they can do the best that they can. And then when they fail, they're hard on them because they know they could do so much more. And the player, knowing that the coach is there for them, wants them to succeed, is pulling for them, is pushing for them, is not offended by the criticism, but receives it as something that is going to be helpful. The word honest comes from the word honor. See, when I'm honest to someone, then I'm actually honoring them. And God is wanting to be honest with us. Now, sometimes when people are honest with me, if I don't feel they have my best interest in mind, especially, I get very defensive. How about you? If I feel that they're just trying to do this call out, I'm just going to tell you the truth, I can be set back. And I know I've done it to people. Hey, I just need to tell you the truth. If I don't spend the time... Even as Jesus, I mean, look at the comparison. How much time does he lavishly praise Peter before he says, get thee behind me, Satan? Second thing, too, to remember here is this is private. He said to Peter, Peter pulled him aside, and then he said to Peter. Now, Matthew got wind of the conversation somewhere down the line and, and writing it for all of us. But he actually pulls him aside to see this so that he can tell Jesus what needs to happen. And Jesus, when they're pulled aside, tells Peter, hey, get behind me. I spoke Wednesday to Brenda and Miguel from La Paz. I try to talk with them once a month. Uh, Sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's more frequent. But I try to stay in touch with them and just see how things are going with them. And as I was talking with them, uh, they let me know that this is the last month that they're going to be staying at the hostel. For those of you who don't know, that they started a, a hostel down in La Paz just a little bit before we started the works building. And their desire was to have a place where people could come to from all over the country, stay there, and they could have conversation and develop relationships with people to share Jesus with them. And things had been starting to take off and it began to do well. And then COVID hit and everything stopped. And they could not maintain the things. And so they told me that they are going to be closing it down and leaving this month. And it broke my heart, right? Just talking to them and hearing the story and they've come to terms with it. They know that this was happening. They, they've been battling, trying to keep things up. They started selling some of the things that they had gathered there. And as I was talking with them, just saying, how are you guys doing? How do you feel about this? And they're like, okay, we're okay. We're ready to move on to a different chapter of our life. You know. And, and talking with them about some of the things that have happened, Brenda was sharing with me that you know she, she misses the days 
when God was so easy to understand and it felt safe. And then she said, it's your fault that I don't feel that way anymore. And then she laughed because I knew what she meant. She, she missed those days, but she doesn't regret the journey that she's on because she knows God better, even though maybe it doesn't feel like she knows him as well, if that makes sense. But the reason she could say that to me is because of the dynamic of relationship that we have. And it meant a lot to me in a positive way, not in a negative way. I didn't take it as, it's your fault, Sam. I I took it as, we've been journeying together. Even some of you from Genesis went with us down, and we did that creativity tour down in La Paz and reached out to some of their friends who they're still in communication with. We've been journeying together in in this wanting to know God more, wanting to, to... share God more clearly, wanting to represent God more effectively. We've been journeying on these things together, you know, uh, sharing books and and teachings and going to Corrine. Brenda and I went to Philadelphia to a cohort where we started just talking about how to do business and church kind of at the same time when we were starting the works building. And so there's been a progress that's there. There's been a history that's there. There's been a level of friendship that's there so that when they say it's your fault that I don't believe this anyway, I don't take it like, what? It's not my fault. I'm not defensive about it. It actually touches me because of the dynamics that are there. And I wonder sometimes how Jesus said this, right? For so many years, I've pictured Jesus as being so serious. He's just joyless. My, my visions of Jesus have been tainted in that way where everything he says is serious. Everything is without joy. I, what if he had a smirk on his face when he said, get behind me, Peter. Right, get behind me, Satan. How would that change it? What if when the woman who's coming up to Jesus and asking for him to heal her child. And he says, you know, it's not good to, to give bread to the dogs. He was actually joking because he knew what he was going to do. I don't know. I just think about Jesus a lot differently now. But what is he doing? What is he doing with Peter here? How is he empowering him? Well, he's calling him out. He's being honest with him. Look at your agenda isn't right. It's interesting because the word that is used here when he says, get behind me, that word behind is the exact same word that's used in the very next verse when he says, if anyone would come after me, Let him deny himself and pick up his cross, right? Get behind me, come after me are actually the same thing. You see, for Peter to come 
after Jesus. He needs to get behind Jesus' agenda and away from his own. And really what Jesus is doing is empowering him to what he needs to do that is better for him because he's gotten a little bit sidetracked here. He's gotten a little bit off the path. Maybe what needs to happen is to follow Jesus. We need to drop our agenda and follow his. And maybe for that to happen, we, he needs to press into us a little bit more. He, he needs to push a little bit more. How does he empower Peter in this story? He gets him away from his being off track and gets him behind on the right track. What about his posture catches my attention? He's not afraid that Peter's gonna take his ball and go home because he got called out on something, which tells me he had enough dynamics. In fact, we saw it in the story previously. He just lavished honor and praise to him. You see, when you have that dynamic, when there is trust, when there is the realization that, you know, you have my best interest in mind, you really do care about me, then you can also come down on them if that is still the goal. And I don't know about you, but sometimes God comes down on me. And and I've had people share things with me. I've had my wife come down on me and let me know, hey, the way you did that wasn't good. And oh yeah, first I get all bent and hurt and all offensive, offended, but when I look back, she's telling me this for my sake, and it's true. Maybe I need to listen. When people have told me, not just Brenda, other people have told me that I have had an effect on the way they're living and they blame me for doing things, starting nonprofits or taking a step of faith to do something. It's because I I want to honor them and I want to be honest with you. Because I believe God wants more for us. And sometimes we have to see our agendas, give up our agendas, and get behind him and follow his. Sometimes we have to be able to be honest because we want to honor people. And what does Jesus do well that God wants to teach you through this. The thing that comes to my mind is Jesus loves so well that he can be so honest. Before we try to be so honest with the truth, we need to make sure that we are loving so well. If Jesus did not love well, he could not be so truthful. When they would ask, well, can we sit at your right hand or your left? He says, that's not mine to give. You don't even know what you're asking. And instead of getting upset with them, 
Again, he pulls them into the dynamic of the relationship. Throughout his time with the disciples, all the time they get the kids away from Jesus. He says, no, let the kids come. Because he loved so well, he's able to be so honest. What this is telling me, speaking to me, is if I want to be honest with people, I need to be more concerned with them. When's the last time you lavishly praised someone? When's the last time you helped people see their potential? I mean, Jesus, man, his potential is the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose will be loose. Dude, you are the foundation on this truth. I am going to build my church. Way to go. High fives all around. Peter, you're the man. You're the man. You see, when is the last time you celebrated someone to that degree? Think of people who are in positions, whether it be a church, pastors, you know, I'm not going to go there. there there's, there's a lack of that overall, not just in churches, but in places of business and in families. I know there are some families where my father never said that he was proud of me. My, my parents never told me those things. Now, some families, it's the opposite. I understand. But you see, to be honest, you have to first honor And what I see Jesus doing here is honoring so that he could be honest so that Peter could move forward. And that's what I want to strive to do. And I want you, again, to think about these things in your life, in your life situations, your relationships, right? How do these things show up? How does Jesus connect and empower people? How do you connect and empower people what, is your, what are you seeing in Jesus' posture that you need to imitate? And what are the things that you're going to take from how Jesus does things to how you can then start to do things at your place of work, in your home, and again, in a place of faith? So that grace and truth can be honest and not fragile. I'm leaving that church. Why? Because he didn't agree with my thoughts. Right? I'm leaving that church because they didn't like what I said. So many times we're fragile because we're failing in love. May we not fail to honor people so that we can actually be honest with people. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for the example of Jesus in these stories, trying to see how grace and truth work together in a way that is living and dynamic and pushing forward. I pray you would help us to, again, look at our lives and challenge ourselves to to see where we lack, where we need to step up, where you might tell us, get behind me, Satan, because your intent is for us to come after you and follow you. And Lord, I, I pray for those who are so 
maybe damaged and trauma by church, by family, by people who they've worked for, where they too, Lord, are afraid to step out. That, that front yard is overwhelming and it just seems like there's no way I, I can do that. Lord, I pray that you by your spirit and through your people will push us to a healthier place. That we would take on the responsibility of Christ because we bear his name. And we would live as you lived. We would love as you love. That we would care because you care. Lord, help us to see and follow after you, we pray. In Jesus' name. We want to continue being challenged by Jesus and we want to continue challenging one another. Uh, one of the things we want to start to do is a campaign of just uh, giving it forward, passing it forward. What did we call it? Pay it forward, that's it. Uh, paying it forward. I knew there was a, a term for it. Um, we are going to, again, at the beginning of uh, next month, uh, give uh, lunch and dinner to the nurses and care workers at the hospital. Uh, so if you want to give towards that, you can. We've got another place, business, that we're going to be utilizing to uh, help with that business as well. And again, if you know of a place that could accommodate what we're trying to do, please let me know, let us know. You can email us or whatever. But we also want to pay it forward in just our lives, right? This isn't about... Uh, organization doing something. Remember, uh, we are the church. And so this is about challenging us, especially at this time, to pay it forward when you have the opportunity, when you see good that's there and fail to do it. Scripture says it's sin. So let's not fail to do good, and then let's encourage good to continue. Paying it forward could be, you know, helping someone, letting someone go ahead of you at the grocery line. Um, paying for someone's food, you know, who's in the car behind you, or coffee. Um, doing something and just trying to encourage goodness to others if you have the opportunity to talk to them. You know, wanting them to continue to do the things that are good so that we can uh, start to change the tide of society. Um, at some point, I would love to have a talk just about our... Um, society and the things that I think are happening right now. Um, but I don't want to do it just online because I don't allow, I don't have opportunity to hear questions and feedback, which allows you to have a, a viewpoint that might not be total to what the topic is. And so at some point, I hope we can be able to look back and maybe gather together and do that in some way. Um, but in the meantime, we have a responsibility as followers of Jesus to be the light of the world, to be the salt of the earth, to be the people who show God by loving one another. And so the challenge here is that of what I believe the Spirit is pressing on us. Just like Jesus told Jesus, I'm going to make you fisher of men, and you got to get behind me. He, he's telling that to all of us in some manner. 
And so be listening, be thinking, be looking at opportunities where you can pay it forward. And if possible, let us know. Maybe you could do a hashtag pay it forward uh, Genesis. Um, Maybe we can think of a better one, something smaller. But uh, hashtag I'm deciding to pay it forward for Genesis. No, we're going to try and keep it small, but share it with us. I know it's weird, like, oh, yeah, this is what I did today. But we're not doing this to boast in ourselves. We want to try and encourage things. So be aware that's our motive is to encourage good works by doing them ourselves. And may that continue to develop in our lives. So until we get to talk again on Wednesday at 7, I'll be doing take two uh, again live. May you be honored when God is honest with you. May you see that the chastening of the Lord is beneficial for the soul. May you allow him to speak into your lives even if it is to get behind him. Lord bless you and keep you until we can see you soon. God bless. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.